Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is the week covering Friday, November 19th, 2021. We're coming up on the holidays, a lot of great movies coming up. This week we have some really awesome movies, probably my favorite film from Abel Ferrara ever. Right, Eric Holmes? Yes. Zeros and ones? Yes? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, Am I lying? It's Bruce, Perky, did you say zeros and ones might be 100% to you? What? Well, if you give it another zero, that would be 100, sure. Okay. Okay. We're, we're also we're covering Zeros and Ones, the new Abel Ferrara film. And who is the lead in that movie, Eric Holmes? Who is the lead in A- Zeros and Ones? Uh, that would be Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Is it, do you love him as an actor? Eric Holmes or Bruce, do you guys love Ethan Hawke? Have you guys always loved Ethan Hawke as far as I, that goes? I do. Obviously, I didn't like uh, Tesla. I mean, he, he always, he, he's always Wait, Everybody wants always... to rule the world. Come on. Everybody wants to rule the world. They do. They do. They do. One thing that I do appreciate about Ethan Hawke is he's always doing interesting things. Yes. And so even though they don't work for me all the time, you know, it's kind of like Nick Cage. You usually just got to check it out for yourself sometimes. Ethan Hawke film that moved you the most, Bruce. What is it? Flash (laughs) round. First Reformed? First Reformed? Oh, very good. For me, I'm going to be very saccharine. I'm going to say Dead Poet Society. I was 17 when I saw that. I had a very emotional reaction to it. Captain, my captain. Hopefully that's not a spoiler 30 years down the road. What about you, Eric, regarding Ethan Hawke? Most moving Ethan Hawke film for you? Moving? Yeah, emotional, resonant. Um, uh, you know, it's it hard. might be the one we're talking about uh, later Re- on. Uh, later uh, on? Zeros and ones. You got emotionally but, uh, hooked into this movie. Yeah, lot, you connect it to I zeros mean, and ones. Oh, I know. Uh, for, yeah. uh, Brooklyn's Finest. Ooh, Brooklyn. Oh, very yeah. good. Brooklyn's Finest. I still have, have. Bruce, have you seen Brooklyn's Finest yet? Have you seen that movie yet? I don't think so. Okay. So we're going to be talking about zeros and ones. There's going to be another movie, a Welsh thriller called The Feast. And it is a what burn? Bruce Berkey, what is it? A what burn? It's a. Uh, I don't know Welsh for slow, so it's, it's, it's a sleeping burn. Sleeping burn. <laughs> I don't, we don't. We don't speak the language. It's an interesting language. I don't. I'm, it's a Welsh thriller, okay? And it, it is a slow burn. This movie called The Feast, and then so we're also going. To, we're covering zeros and ones. The Feast, a, a musical called Tick Tick Boom, which comes out on Netflix November nineteenth. We well, thank you Netflix for that early screening screening link of that film, Andrew Garfield. I'm really excited to see what Eric and Bruce have to say about this really musical biopic kind of thing about Jonathan Larson, the creator behind Rent. Last but not least, we're also going to be reviewing a, a coming of age. It's a, I don't even want to say rom com, a family drama, family comedy called India Sweets and Spices. Both Bruce and I saw it. Eric Holmes was actually going to finish the movie. He had 20 minutes ago. The screening link, link expired, but he has enough things to say about the movie. Whether he can't really fully recommend it or not because he hasn't seen the movie. That's what he said. But he'll give some insights on what he has seen of India Sweets and Spices. And then we'll have each our recommends. And I don't know what else to say. Eric Holmes, how was your week of watching movies? Did you see anything in the theater? Or what did you do? What you, what's been the last seven days? Uh, nothing in the theater. I've been taking lots of ibuprofen, so I'm sure my uh, liver is uh, right. oh. utter garbage right now. Oh no, no! Are you are you are you under the weather? You're, oh, you were still no, sick yeah, last week. A, you were sick last week. Yeah, it was the uh, the the cracked rib, but it's feeling All better right. now. It's feeling better. I don't have to take as much ibuprofen. Still hurts a little bit, but I, oh, I can get by. Better, but Other but that, you haven't seen the doctor. You haven't seen the doctor for it. N- nothing. I have. I mean, there's, it's a cracked rip. There's not much you can do. It's you can do it. Just pain, pain management. Can, and 
Yeah. Punch you in the other rib is like, you know, always worked for me. So. Have you ever had a cracked rib bruise? What have you been, what have you been doing the last week? Uh, what are, <laughs> those two questions. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to fit in. I'm like Abel Ferrara. I'm trying to fit in all these things into into one narrative. I have not have a crack, had a cracked rib. I've had a broken toe. My kid just got his uh, driver's license today. Hey. Woo. Okay. How did, did he pass? Was it, was it a good grade? Is it, are you, no. are you, he failed, high... but they gave him a license. <laughs> That's America <laughs> he for you. Failed. He failed, but they, wow. So sounds like what... a Colorado move. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's the thing? Here's the thing with kids. I don't have kids, but are you an overprotective dad? Like when your kids get that license, do you feel a little bit, I don't know, a little bit wistful? The fact that they're, they're pretty much leaving you because they can just take the vehicle and go wherever they want to go without, you uh, lording over them, I guess. Well, we've watched a lot of Fury Road, and uh, <laughs> I'm ready to chase him down if I need to. <laughs> That's a very, very good movie. Is Fury Road better? Spoiler alert. Is Fury Road... Is there any movie this week that's better than Mad Max Fury Road? Heavy Trip is pretty close. A Heavy Trip has a lot of the uh, characteristics oh. in common with Fury Road. Ooh, <laughs> Heavy oh, Trip. Yeah. Heavy oh, Trip. Yeah. Heavy Trip. This is a movie. Heavy Trip is a movie that actually Bruce Perky is going to be part of our... I can't even get that segment correct, Bruce. Can you just say, what is that segment again? <laughs> Captain Coon's Hidden Gem of the Month. Maybe we should put a word out for a, an easier moniker for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is the gem that Bruce Perky wanted us to talk about this month. It's Heavy Trip is a movie that he reviewed on on this program on this podcast months ago, and Eric and I has have you know it took us a while to see it until this week. Both Eric and I actually did g- give Heavy Trip a shot, and we're going to actually round off the show with a review, our thoughts on Heavy Trip. We all know that Bruce Perky really loves that movie. Now, first off, let's start with the, our first movie, Tick Tick Boom. It's already in select the- yes, Eric Holmes. Boom! It's it's already in select theaters as of last week, November twelfth, in select theaters. So the reactions have been out. However, it for most people, they're going to watch it on Netflix, November nineteenth. It's directed by Hamilton creator Lin Manuel Miranda. It's his screen debut as as a director, and it's based on music by the late Jonathan Larson, again, the creator behind Rent. Tick Tick Boom actually is based on sort of his life. It he's turning thirty. Larson, played by Andrew Garfield, he's working at a diner. He's a waiter. Uh, he's a waiter. Cash works cash register, but he is focused on actually creating this musical that he thinks is going to put him to the top, put him on Broadway, and he's focusing his dreams on becoming this young theater, this theater composer who's going to make it to the big time. That's the premise of this movie. It's a musical. This is a movie that I think enough said. It's going to be remembered come Oscar time. 
If you love the musical format, I think this is going to be right up your alley. I think the question is, for people who are not really into musicals, will it be right up their alley? I think this has a broad, broad appeal. I think Andrew Garfield gives an Oscar-nominated performance. I'm trying to remember a performance this year that was even as good as Garfield's performance, so I'm really high on this film. Eric Holmes, I want to hear your thoughts on Tick, Tick, Boom. Did, did it resonate with you? Was it not type? Was it not your type of movie? How'd you feel? Yeah, it, it actually was, to my surprise. I, I think I like Lin-Manuel Miranda, but one thing that struck me while watching this is my, uh, I have a huge blind spot on musicals. And, you know, I, there's a couple of musicals I like, uh, like Dancer in the Dark, Cannibal, the musical, stuff like that, but those aren't what I think of as musicals. Right. Yeah, and then you have you have like the Hamilton and uh, In the Heights and this one, and it's got that kind of the songs are really catchy, and so that I like that. One of the reasons I love Streets of Fire so much is the music, and same with this. I don't. It's said in the thing that there are certain spoilers that we're not to give away, and unfortunately, I don't know enough about <laughs> what the spoilers would possibly be, so I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of nervous about talking about it, but. I guess the the main story that it's about the guy's life and then uh, doing some research on him and to find out that, you know, this was actually a, a remake of one of his musicals. And I guess they did another they did another movie based on Tick, Tick, Boom as well. They did a, they did a movie. They did a version of his play, his landmark play Rent. It, it became a 2005 film. I think you might be referencing referencing that movie Rent. No, no, it's called Tick Tick Boom. Also, oh really? I, I, oh. I, I, well, I found it on IMDb. It could be like a TV movie, or maybe they start putting mm. plays there now. I don't know. Yeah, maybe but, they um, found a broadcast version of it or something. Yeah, I, so Boom, yeah. I've never seen Rent, but this had um, just kind of through osmosis about what I know about Rent. This seemed to have a lot of the similar situations of uh, you know people dealing with oh no can we say it um, yeah. dealing with uh, disease and uh, mortality. It has it has kind of really dark subject matter, but it does it in kind of a light way. But without In the Heights, kind of did the same thing. There, there's like although In the Heights doesn't get quite as dark as this one, but it it. Um, kind of approaches it in a way not that it's not taking the darkness serious it is but it does in a way where it just kind of uh kind of told your hand say no it'll be cool it'll be all right we'll get you through this and then uh but yeah overall i liked it i kind of feel like that this is a new that this and in the heights and hamilton feel like a new direction for musicals yeah but again i have a huge blind spot with musicals so i don't know you know someone that watches more musicals might watch this and go eric they've been doing this for decades <laughs> thanks for finally but you know up. you're not a big musical fan but the good thing is this crossed over for you which is very important right you, you give us a solid recommend yeah and not only that but it makes me want to go back and kind of uh maybe dig up some other musicals that maybe i turned my nose up at in the past and very, very maybe cool. i turned them up my nose up to them for good reason but uh that I, I had fun with this one, much like I did within the Heights in Hamilton, and good stuff. Cool, cool Bruce. Yeah, I remember years ago I interviewed Andrew Garfield and Michael Shannon for the film they did, Ninety Nine Homes, awesome film, and the topic of him working in, in theater on Death of a Salesman. When someone asked him about that, his eyes, I, if, I, if I recall, really lit up because he just you could really tell he was invested in the life of living in New York, working in the theater. That, that seemed to him to be his bread and butter. And it seems to me with this performance, he really threw in every single ounce of his energy. I thought it was 
a wonderful performance. What did you think of Garfield and this overall production? I was this is a mild recommend for me. I, I thought it was wow, kind of really? middle middle of the road for me. This is I, I like my musicals a little weirder, or some of the really classical music musicals as well. I like mine a little more odd. This one, this kind of feels like the perfect Netflix musical to me. It's wow. kind of safe. It's kind of in the right in what you'd expect. It's fine, but it didn't it didn't connect with me. I, I felt it was like everything was kind of generic to me. Uh, in fact, it's kind of like the musical version of you know the old classic like uh, thing they say is. Never write a book about writer's block. Yeah. And this is this is kind of the musical version of that. Yeah. Uh, it feels like this is his placeholder musical while he was trying to come up with what became Rent between what he was trying to do before that. So for me, it's kind of like, it's kind of throwaway. It's kind of like, it's generic, like artistic people in Brooklyn singing about being artistic people in Brooklyn. Um, now, that being said, I would say um, Lin-Manuel's Miranda's direction I thought was pretty interesting and fun. He does a lot with the material, I think more than the original play did. From what I understand, the original play was kind of like a monologue, kind of like Inside that we had earlier this year, kind of like a musical monologue where they're on stage. And I think Lin-Manuel does a lot with staging here that's really fun and interesting. Uh, as far as Garfield goes, um, I mm. was not really into Garfield at all in this. I think he's a really good singer. I think he put a lot of energy into it, but I think he did stage energy, and I think he needed to give it a little more movie energy, and I did not connect with him. Uh, other than he's he's doing a good job. He's trying hard. He's singing all awesomely okay for an actor. That's kind of so. I'm middle of the road, very, very bland for this for me. Yeah, not even almost just not even a recommend. This is a mild, mild recommend from Bruce Perky. This yeah. is for yeah. This is Tick Tick Boom for me is a top ten, and I, I, you know, I'm I'm a voter, so I'm definitely for Critics Choice. I'm going to nominate Andrew Garfield for one of the best actor categories, and definitely going to nominate this for one of the best films of the year. It really resonated with me. I didn't feel it was bland at all. It had different. I don't, Eric, did you feel it was bland with the way it was constructed, the musical? I, I kind of liked the whole thing. It was like uh, Bruce actually said this: how Manuel Miranda kind of opened it up. When I like that in one scene, in one scene you have the Larson character talking to an audience, but then it flashes back to a moment in his life, and then has flashes back to a, another thing. So I, I liked all of the, the selections and the jumbles to it. But what did you think? Did you think it was bland I, as well? The I didn't think it was bland. It, it definitely wasn't as flashy as like something like in the Heights, um, but uh, it's it's probably kind of like Birdman like the the scenes in Birdman when they're in the uh the play and behind the stage and stuff like that where it's uh it feels like a movie where they break out in a song sometimes and in fact that's that seems to be one of the uh the main Andrew Garfield's character's uh main talents is that he can just can, break out in a song yeah. at any time because normally you watch that in a musical and it's like that doesn't make sense but early on they're like man you can just do that and he's like yeah I'm like oh wow Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so okay. then when he just breaks out in a song, it's like, okay, this is just what he does. But I, I guess they did have uh, it's like one or two like musical numbers that feel like you know the musical numbers are kind of used to in a thing like this where they're clearly not in reality. But that yeah, uh, to Bruce's point, there's not a lot of that. But I kind of I kind of didn't mind that. I, I like the more grounded uh, sort of approach to it. But cool, so that, yeah. again, that, that might be a normal thing that happens all the time. To me, it's like, wow, they never do this. Meanwhile, li- musical listeners like, no, Eric, they do that 
for decades they've been. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric Holmes gives it a solid recommend. I give it a strong, strong recommend. Again, one of my favorites of the year, Tick, Tick, Boom. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. I was going to say Bruce you Willis. You apologize right now. <laughs> Bruce Willis. <laughs> apologize Bruce to Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh my God. I was thinking, you know why I was thinking was Bruce Willis? Because I, I received an email, a Bruce Willis email today. And I was like, should I open this email or not? Another Bruce Willis movie. I think it's, I think it's my copy called Fortress. I got to look it up. But Bruce Perky gives it a mild recommendation. Maybe not even, so mild like you're on the cliff. Like kind of, Bruce, is it you're kind of on the cliff even thinking whether to recommend this to people? You just. Uh... I think a lot of people are going to really love this. I think if you're really into musical theater, you're going to probably adore it. And I've seen some people online kind of being that way. For me, I really like the production and I like the the direction, but the story doesn't do much of anything for me, and the musical numbers don't do much for me. Okay, cool. So that is our overall review of Tick Tick Boom. Again, it's currently in select theaters on Netflix, streaming worldwide, November nineteenth. Next up is this slow burn watch thriller called. The Feast. I don't even know what... Eric, you're talking about not spoiling Tick, Tick, Boom. I don't even know what to say about The Feast without spoiling it for a lot of people. I've been reading a lot of reviews, and they've been spoiling the bleeping you-know-what out of this. And I don't know how... What can we say? Bruce, what can we say about The Feast that wouldn't be really much of a spoiler? What do you think? Um, I would say it centers on a well-to-do Welsh family that has to get a stand-in... What is she considered? What is she's she? A, she's, well, she's sort of a server, a waitress. A, right. She's sort of a, yeah. She's so they have to get a stand-in for their usual server for a feast that they're going to have for some friends and some kind of clients. And it very quickly goes to odd places. Okay, so the feast, yes, exactly. So this woman, she's she doesn't really say much. She's very young, probably in her early 20s. She's a mysterious woman. She pretty much monotone. You're wondering why the heck is she not speaking? But she is, like Bruce said, she is a stand-in for someone else who couldn't make the feast. And her job is to actually serve these people and you know, actually fix the table, make sure everything is nice and clean and proper and everything works well. And she is working for a very well-to-do family. There's two spoiled teens and there's two very spoiled parents as well. So essentially this whole entire movie, you get to see an entitled, well-to-do family sort of in in their own weird passive aggressive way abuse this this serve the server pretty much for most of the for most of the narrative and she pretty much takes it because she's very unresponsive to their actions she she doesn't get aggressive with them when they try to get aggressive with her she just plays it to her own tune again this movie is a horror thriller a lot of people say it's an eco thriller and this movie is set right in the this house is set right in the middle of a countryside Okay, so there's a lot of developments going on. So right in the right in the middle of this countryside, this beautiful modern home is where this family lives, and it's gorgeous. Anyone would want to live here. But you're wondering why are they have all this money? They're you know they're well to do, all that stuff. Why are, is each of these family members? What's wrong with them? Why are they dysfunctional in their own right? And by the end of the movie, we get to actually find out what what really ails this family and why this server really doesn't have much to say. Bruce, your thoughts on The Feast, which, by the way, it hits theaters and it's on demand everywhere November 19th. This is probably the exact reverse for me from Tick, Tick, Boom, in that I could not recommend this to very many people, um, but I really liked it. 
Uh, but I could see most people not being on the ride for this. This is, um, I really enjoyed this. I think it's, um, this is a hard sell for most people though. And one thing that we kind of, without getting into spoilers, I really enjoyed uh, the Katie or Caddy, the character that we're talking about, the server. Right. Very good in this movie. Yeah, she's really good. And kind of to describe to people, like, she's really monotone. She almost acts as if she's in a daze or if, like, she is an alien from another world. Now, I'm not spoiling anything. She's not an alien from another world, so don't worry. That's a um, performance. She, if that, that doesn't work, Bruce, sorry. If that performance doesn't yeah. work, this movie just falls flat on its face. Yeah. And this is one of those movies where you either trust that all of these things are going to add up and then that works for you or you don't and you just don't even want to stay with it. Um, Also, I feel like this is one of those movies that probably is a really updated version of some Welsh folktale with everybody standing in for characters from some ancient folktale. I don't know that folktale, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit. And we should probably warn people if they do stick with this, it does get pretty graphic at points. So, pretty, but pretty, I really, pretty, pretty I really enjoy it. Yeah, ugly, ugly. I can't believe what's going on in my eyes. Kind of graphic. Yeah. Well, you know, I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> so. You've seen a lot of things. Let's just say, folks, it really. I after watching this movie, I am permanently scarred, and I may not. the The word intimacy is ha- is now just hard scrabble off my Webster dictionary. I don't know if I'm ever gonna get to that place. Eric Holmes, what place did you get to when you saw the fees? What was your overall thoughts? Uh, my first thought was, I hope this movie ends soon. <laughs> the uh, the basically the first half of the movie did not work for me at all. It was really pretty, um, but it was just kind of uh, a little. You know, you talk about deliberately paced. This seemed like it was going in reverse most of the time. And I was just kind of waiting for the movie to do something, like anything. You were frustrated, um, right? Were you frustrated through? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah. Um, and then the the second half of the movie it shows up. <laughs> and that's when it kind of starts. Uh, it kind of almost goes into David Lynch territory at times. It just gets uh, like things just don't make sense anymore. And I think I kind of had a similar thought that Bruce did that. I feel like this is, uh, I feel like I'm missing something like the, like with, uh, uh, antlers with the, you know, the creature and antlers, like if you know about it, it's going to, you know, or Undine, if you know about it, it's going to pay off more. I feel like there's something going on like that with this and I just don't know what it is. Um, but I did like, I did like the last half quite a bit. In fact, like a lot of the uh, um, the transitions they had, like the Lynch type transitions, where like they got like uh, someone's face or their body, and then they they do that uh, uh, the fire kind of uh, dissolves in and dissolves out, and then so, you know they do stuff like that. Those are really cool, um, and I got a lot out of those. As far as what it's about, uh, uh, I'm too stupid for this movie. <laughs> Uh, the, a lot of this movie went right over my head. Well, look, but, no, uh, no. yeah. Okay. I, did you did that third act, and even though it went over your head, as it will for a lot of people, okay. In, in all fairness, did it resurrect? Did it save the entire movie for you? As far as it, it got me, it got me interested for sure. Like it, it was one of those where, uh, like, I was watching, going, I have no idea what's going on. Like, I understand what's going on in the you know in the frame 
what I don't understand is I get a feeling that it's trying to say something else and I don't know what that is yet. But it, it's also interesting enough that it's like I kind of want to dig into this a little deeper and see if I can figure it out. But Would again, you recommend it personally? Right over my head. <laughs> Okay, would you recommend the movie? Did it work? I mean, the th- did it save the whole thing as far as a recommend, or is it a movie that it just it didn't save it for you ultimately? Um, you have to be very, very adventurous uh, movie watcher for this one, and if you're that kind of person, then yeah, definitely check this one out. Because, but if if you're looking for like a oh let's let's uh, you know. Why watch a scary movie tonight? No, this is not the one for you. <laughs> so overall, it it almost worked for you. It almost did work for you. This movie kind of didn't. No, I I like the movie and I like where it went. I just didn't understand it. Okay, I, so, like so, I feel I feel like it was trying to tell the movie was trying to get at something or tell okay, me something. Got it. And I just wasn't picking it up. Not that I didn't like it. I just you know literally just went right over my head. Cool. So and if the filmmaker wants to put a catcher's mitt right here <laughs> and watch it again, maybe I'll catch more of it. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm missing something. I don't. I, I'm blaming myself more than the movie. It's still a recommend for you though. Yeah. Again, you have to be an adventurous movie which you, watcher, which you personally are. You are. You are adventurous. Yeah. Yeah. Went over your head. I think Bruce. Do you think it's? I think it's going to go over a lot of people's heads, right? This movie, The Feast. Yeah. This is like one of those movies. I think that you show it to somebody you're with, and they might hate you because you showed it to them. <laughs> okay. So, so my my take on The Feast is I really dislike this movie. I really mm-hmm. disliked this movie with a passion. It's a slow burn. Got me re- like Eric Holmes. Got me really frustrated for the longest time. It was moving at a snail's pace. I was like my, I felt like my eyes were bleeding just watching this movie. And there, there are some really, even during the slow burn moments, there are some really graphic moments, even before it gets really graphic in the third act, that I just thought was ugh. So yeah, for most of this movie, I was really, I just could not wait till this movie was finished. Uh, I just did not like this movie whatsoever. And then the third act happened, and it explained everything. And I ended up really enjoying the feast, and I felt bad because it it really is to Eric's point. You're correct. There is a big, the and Bruce is correct too. The barrier of entry to the feast is very high. You have to. The caveat to this movie is you, like Eric was saying, you really have to be adventurous and you have to ride the slow burn train. And whether you get it get it or not, you have to actually immerse yourself into what's going on. Once you get there, the third act is a total knockout. It I can't believe what happened in the third act, and I it really sold everything for me. Sometimes, like you need a really sometimes a third act can save the rest of the movie, or in this case, a third act can make the beginning of the movie and the middle of the movie make a lot more sense to the viewer. And credit goes to director Lee Haven Jones. He he knows what he's doing. He could have made this movie a lot faster paced. A lot more entertaining instead of really slowly drawing us in. It's only people like Bruce who actually have that certain kind of palette for that slow burn for a thriller. Yeah. Well, it'll it'll go right in. It goes right into their gullet. But Lee Haven Jones knows that he's alienating a whole bunch of other people just by having us hold on to those rails for about I don't know sixty minutes. Yeah, but for me, it, the third act absolutely saved it. Like Eric, I recommend this movie, but. I loved it a little bit more than Eric did. I loved it probably as much as Bruce did, even though... And I, Eric, to your point, I ended up understanding everything about this movie. And it says a lot... Maybe it says a lot of things too much, 
<laughs> towards the end, but hey, I, I'm all for it. And I feel as privileged as those people in the houses. And it, it was a really bad. I did not like to. I, I did not like looking at myself in the mirror after finishing <laughs> the feast. I'll tell you that right now. I'm going to be a lot nicer to people, and I, I promise not to actually uh, work on work out on exercise bikes anymore. So, Bruce, any final thoughts on the? <laughs> um, I would. I would just say. I, I think. For people who do end up liking this movie, I think this is one of those movies, kind of like we talked about with Tenet and other movies like that, yeah. where if you like the movie, this is one of those that you really want to go and decode. So I think some people are going to really, really enjoy that aspect of it. But like you, all, we all said, there a huge portion of the audience will just not be up for this ride. <laughs> so. and, and Bruce, do, do you want to go, I mean, does the average viewer want to go through what Eric Holmes went through? Or what I went through, right, Eric? It's a lot of stuff to get through before yeah. you get to that stuff. Yeah, you said it's like uh, being on a slow-moving train. I would say it's more like pushing a slow-moving train. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is this actually might make you, our faithful listeners, to uh, actually make make you want might you might want to see the feast after what Eric and I had said about this because even though it is a huge barrier to entry, there's there's a big wrap up and of course Bruce really really you really love this movie right you ended up really loving yeah it. I, I did like this quite a bit yes okay so Bruce since you're anchoring this review you highly recommend the feast to blank. I think what Eric said is the exactly right thing. If you're really adventurous, if you really like these um, very, very off-kilter type of directors, you know, like we talked about David Lynch or things like that, give it a chance. This might be your cup of tea. But um, if you want a more kind of average fare, I would say you might be out of this. So After this, after we record this, we're going to do a, a quick five-minute spoiler of The Feast, and we're going to explain to Eric Holmes what this movie was about. Well, you want to do that, Bruce? Right sure. after the movie? Yeah. Let's try. I would love to try. try I'd love to give, it, give a crack at it. <laughs> it's a very five-minute crack. We'll do a minute. I, yes, Eric Holmes. Yes, sir. I, I have an idea. So, like, the, the uh-huh. you got Maya Darren meshes of the afternoon. Oh, yeah. It's so weird and crazy, and I think, like, people that like that weird and crazy you like to watch it. Yes. But, like, the, the first half of the movie is, like, uh, what was it, the Maya Darren, where the guy's just, like, sitting there doing karate to himself, like, shadow oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's, like, the first half. So you got to get through, like, that before you get to the crazy. <laughs> you know, that's so funny, Eric. I was actually going to, mes- to mention Maya Darren in this episode, and you actually mentioned Maya Darren for me. That's a little bit of synchronicity. But I wasn't going to mention my Darren for the piece. I was going to mention my Darren for our Abel Ferrara film, <laughs> Zeros and Ones. I think, oh, your, time. I think your analogy was probably a little bit more apropos. Anyways, The Feast. We're closing out on The Feast. Um, recommend from, from Eric Holmes. A strong recommend from me. Both Eric and I give the caveat about the patient stuff. Huge recommendation from Bruce Perky or a.k.a. Bruce Willis on on The Feast. Again, it's in select theaters on demand everywhere. You rent movies Friday, November 19th, directed again by Lee Haven Jones. Oh, you know what, Bruce? This is a movie that has a lot of, you said decoding, a lot of rewatchability if you really get into it, right? Because then you can pick up the pieces upon a second viewing kind of thing. I can see the people who like this really liking it and going back to it again, for sure. Yes. You know, I, I'm not going to transition with a mind daring to zeros and ones. Let's get a very quickly. I, I have a biased review on India Sweets and Spices. I interviewed the lead actress and the director. I ended up really loving this movie. It's about this Indian American. She moves. Uh, she's back home for the, for the summer. She lives in a very rich area, I believe, in New New Jersey. And she she falls. Uh, she not. 
she doesn't fall head over heels. She starts getting interested in the son of the owners of this local Indian store. It's, this is why this this is called India Sweets and Spices. A lot of in, Indian stores in, in communities that they're called the India Sweets and Spices store. I actually go to India Sweets and Spices store myself. We're throwing this dinner thing next Saturday. You guys should come. You invited who? Local shopkeeper. We are running a charity service, huh? Sure, aunties without borders. Sheila, it's me, Bhairavi, Delhi University. Your mother was incredibly brave. Back then, my life was complicated. I want your life to be simple. Parents are full of surprises. Our parents are full of sh- Okay. Her romance with this young man is a little bit frowned upon because she comes from a rich family and he comes from a blue-collar family. And it centers on how they're trying to navigate their relationship. But what seems like a a very innocuous rom-com or comedy turns into something else because it it sort of an expo- it becomes sort of an exploration about this young woman's parents especially her mother and what she had in her in her previous life what she was before and it's a very interesting movie i thought india sweets and spices started off as a safe comedy and it is in in a big picture sense, it is a pleasing comedy, and I'm glad people of color are are at the forefront on, on these type of comedies where we are right now. But I, I like the way that it actually delved a little bit deeper into family dynamics, and it's this is sort of a deceptively de- deceptively layered movie. It's not as innocuous as you think it is, and that's a good thing. I give it a strong recommend, India Sweets and Spices. We're going to have the interviews later this week with the director and the actress on our Find your film podcast feed. So that's a biased recommend for me. Let's start with Eric Holmes. You were you have twenty minutes to go. You can't recommend it or not. What are your impressions of what you were able to see? Oh, kind kind of what you said. Uh, this, this reminded me a lot of like uh, my big fat Greek wedding. I haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians, but uh, this is there was from what I've seen so far. This kind of reminds me of that sort of thing, and uh, kind of similar to Skater Girl too. Um, where it just seems like light, uh, but it, you know, delves into some, delves into some family stuff. Um, I figure so far I'm digging it. Uh, this is not, this is not really my type of movie, but I'm kind of picking up what's putting down so far. And, uh, I'm really curious to hear from you two, whether or not the ending sticks the landing or not. Okay. Again, it's written and directed by Gita Malik. And she is a UCLA Daily Bruin alum, so am I. So go Bruins. And it's also starring the lead actress is Sophia Ali. Again, it's in theaters November 19th, 2021. Unbiased review from Bruce Perky coming up right now. Okay. Um, well, first of all, uh, yeah, we'll have to get um, Greg's opinion as well. Did you, first of all, Eric, did you get to the final party scene? Maybe not. Where I, something I, crazy I, goes down. Um, <laughs> no, that's hard to get, say because I no, do remember. You didn't get there. You didn't I remember. Get there. A no, you didn't get there. You, All right. You, so you would have remembered would it. Say, I would say the sticks the landing. I would say if you liked what you saw so far, at least in a moderate way, I think you'll really enjoy the finale of this movie. I was very surprisingly. I was surprised by this movie. I really ended up enjoying it. I, at the, I was kind of like uh, Eric at the first. I don't know, first ten or fifteen minutes. I was like. Boy, I don't know, man. This is this is really not my type of movie. Um, but it does take directions that you're a little surprised by, probably in the first third, and then it continues to do that throughout. And even though the, the overall structure and the overall presentation could be kind of broadly safe and entertaining, and it always kind of stays in that realm, it allows itself to be 
just daring enough to be interesting and to be a little surprising and, uh, you know, even a little heartfelt towards the end, I think. And I would like two things. First of all, the romance aspect of this plays out in a way that I was very happy how that played out and very refreshing, I thought. And the biggest thing about this movie, uh, Sophia Ali, right? She's her, our main actress in this. She is so engaging and so luminous and so likable. And if, if she's not, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's already a star in, in movies that I don't watch. Or shows she, that we don't watch or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But if she isn't, she should be soon. Because, and it's funny, the one thing that Eric and I kind of talked about off offline about this was her. And I think he mentioned she was kind of like, who did you say you thought she was like? Rosario Dawson. Yeah, and I said, I thought she was almost like a young Audrey Hepburn. I wow. mean, I I think she's pretty amazing, and and that's, that's a great. Comp- uh, who's Audrey Hepburn, Eric? Who's that? Uh, <laughs> I'm, some, kidding, I'm, I'm somebody, kidding. Somebody, somebody you've never heard of. <laughs> but I'm sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. Sorry. Rosario but yeah, Hepburn. I think <laughs> she feels to me. She's one of those people when she's on the screen. I feel like you immediately like her and are rooting for her, and I think that she is super engaging uh, presence. And I think without that, this movie is a whole step down. And I think that um, I was following her and really, really loving that part of it. Yes. And to your point, Eric, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you another link for this movie because you need to see the last 20 minutes of this film because you went on this journey, uh, kind of like the journey you did with The Feast. It's not <laughs> worth it unless you get to that third act. Yeah. When you get to the final party sequence, it is memorable. You're going to really it's enjoy like, it. It's, as it's well. like watching it ends. part one. It's like, no, yeah. you stopped at the good part. And yeah. Eric, Eric, it ends almost exactly the same as The Feast. You'll be surprised. It's going to be really surprising wow. when you see that. <laughs> oh, you, you know, okay. I can't wait till we get to the spoiler part of The Feast as well. India Sweets and Spices. Again, what's cool about this movie, it is not a Netflix release. I don't mean that in a pejorative, in like a Netflix or Hulu release. I mean, this is going to be, be released in theaters. So it definitely needs the support of you listeners if it's playing around your theater. And if you really, look, Bruce, if you if you want a safe rom com, this has those elements, but it goes a little bit less safe than that, right? So yes, absolutely, and that's the thing. I think it will totally appeal. We talked about something being really a narrow appeal. This has a pretty darn broad appeal. This is like one of those movies where you always hear the stereotypical couple, right? Where the guy gets dragged to the romance, he doesn't want to be there. There's enough here to keep you there, stereotypical guy. <laughs> Go for it, <laughs> stereotypical dude. Anyway, so. <laughs> High marks for me, solid marks from from Bruce and Eric. Can't really, he hasn't finished the movie, but he, I'm sure by the time he sees it, he's gonna at least yeah. like the movie. So, India Sweets and Spices in theaters November 19th. Support your local indie film, especially in your theaters. I'm getting my booster shot this weekend, so off to the theaters, off to the races I go starting next week. So, that's it for India Sweets and Spices. Our final featured review is a movie that I believe might be Eric Holmes' favorite film from the last 15 years. I. I was reading that, and I, I think I just lied. I, I apologize for lying to you, Eric Holmes, and to, to our listeners. This is a movie directed by Abel Ferrara. Let's, before we get to this, Eric Holmes, favorite Abel Ferrara film right now. Come on. Let's hear it. Probably Miss 45. Miss 45. Ooh, Miss 45. I believe yeah. we covered that on the show. Yes. Yeah, we did. And, and it was just one of those, I'm like, I don't know what this is. I'm watching it. I watch it. It goes, oh, this, this is right up my shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right Bruce, up my shit. Very good. Bruce Perky, your favorite Abel Ferrara film. Give it some love. Throw it. Miss 45. Oh, Miss 45. Okay. Bruce and, Bruce and Eric, they're just highbrow. Miss 45, by the way, is considered one of his high, best. Miss 45 is not highbrow. I mean, <laughs> you're right. You're right. right. It's, it's, it's 
pulpy. It's it's yeah. No, my favorite King of New York. I love King of New York. Chris Walken, <laughs> yeah, David friggin Caruso, Wesley Snipes, Lawrence Fishburne. It's such a great film. So many really good able for our films. I'm sure there, you know there's Body Snatchers, there's The Funeral, and now there is Zeros and Ones. Eric Holmes, I'm just gonna throw the gauntlet to you. What can we say about this movie? Um, well, I think Ethan Hawke said everything there is to say about this movie. In what way? <laughs> well, it, 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 oh, now, I, so the version we saw. Yes. Ethan Hawke does, uh, like you see sometimes in movie theaters where it's like, I don't know. Hi, I'm TV's Bruce Willis, and you're about to watch Die Hard 14. <laughs> Thanks for coming out to the movie theaters, because you mean everything, and you're the reason we do what we do. It was like one of those things. And then... All of a sudden, the the camera uh, camera. I'm pretty sure, ninety percent sure, Abel Ferrara shot this entire movie with a dirty condom, and it just, <laughs> it's oh, just, geez. It what the image? Are we reviewing Feast or or the Feast or what? No, we're doing zeros and ones. Um, wow. It, okay. So it's, uh, was it like? Ethan Hawke plays two yeah. parts. Yeah, Ethan Hawke. Okay, he's a he's a military operative. Okay, he's yeah. in Rome. He's tasked with finding his brother, who might be an anarchist, a revolutionary, or uh. <laughs> most importantly, a, a terrorist. He might be. No, this is the part of the trailer that. Okay, so yeah. he's hunting. Ethan Hawke is hunting for his brother, who yeah definitely looks like him because they're both played yeah. by Ethan Hawke. So it's basically military operative versus a terrorist. This terrorist might be in. An, in coots, or he might be the mastermind behind an operation to blow up the Vatican. It's set in Rome. Rome is where Abel Ferrara lives. It was shot during period of COVID, which we're still still in or right now, as if this as of this recording. But it was shot in a, a higher time of COVID, as far as transmission goes. It was shot. It start, actually production started November two thousand twenty. So it's only been you know in production and, and cut and everything and released within within a year. So high marks to that. So there's a lot of extra brownie points that zeros and ones go. Eric, continue. You're, so, what what, um, am I mistaken, or is this the one where they were making out with the COVID masks on? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I th- laughed I thought, out loud. I, I thought. I thought maybe. That's I a spoiler, that. Eric. That's a romantic moment. No, that's that not a spoiler. Ne- <laughs> that's that's not a, a romantic. People you making cannot, out with masks isn't that beautiful? It it's is a beautiful moment. It is literally impossible to spoil this movie. I could tell you everything about this movie and be yes. like, that doesn't make sense. And, and that's a lot of movies you tend to cover, it seems. But yeah, um, <laughs> when you get to first see uh, Ethan Hawke uh, play his brother, and he's the terrorist or maybe terrorist guy, and he goes in full Charlie Manson mode. <laughs> This is all, this all the strippers are Marxists. All the all your little strippers are Marxists. That's one of the lines that actually the, the government's terrorist. living in your head, man. But everyone knows it. You know it. You're just not saying it. But I know. I know. And I'm not <laughs> going to tell everyone because I'm telling everyone. Whatever the fuck you say, I have no idea. And this movie just keeps getting stranger and dirtier and more fucked up. And then the credits roll. Just stay yes. for after the credits. I, I, I don't want to say anymore. Okay, Stay thank you. Stay for after the credits. Stay for after the credits. This movie is Abel Ferrara taking his middle finger, sticking it up your ass, through your mouth, and saying, fuck you. <laughs> and I kind of appreciated him for it. You appreciate it. You know, uh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll... This movie is so fucking... The whole concept of this movie is ridiculously bonkers and i can't even explain why because that like i said you can't spoil a movie that part that i can't talk about that would it that would 
ruined the movie. And I think, I kind of think everyone needs to see this. And I don't think they're going to like it. I think a lot of people are going to hate this movie. But this is going to be one of those things where... You're recommending this movie, aren't you, Eric? You're recommending Zeros I'm re- and Ones. I'm recommending it, yes. but I'm also doing it with the caveat with, that of what? 99.9% of the people that watch this will hate this movie. But you're still but, recommending it. You know, sometimes sometimes you just got to watch certain movies because it's going to add something to the uh, to Excellent. the outer Very the outer conversation. You're going to say, uh, I don't know, bam, bam, that movie did blah blah blah. Oh yeah, like zeros and ones, exactly. Like like this will be this will be something people reference, and for that reason alone, I think people need need to uh, watch it. Um, you'll probably <laughs> yeah. hate it, but you need to see this. Okay, it's- so this this is a weird recommend from. Eric Holmes, and I'm kidding when I mean when he said when I mean it's a, a weird recommend. It's really not a weird recommend. I understand Eric's thinking. This movie's 86 minutes. It says it's 86 minutes, but it's in reality it's about 75 minutes, and there's about 10 or 11 minutes where if you really like Ethan Hawke, you're gonna, you're gonna enjoy an, an extra 10 or 11 minutes of Ethan Hawke being Ethan Hawke. And See, when I mean Ethan Hawke being Ethan Hawke, I mean it's Ethan Hawke being Ethan Hawke. Yes, Eric. See, uh, I, I would say like five years from now, we're going to have conversations and we won't have to dance around what we're dancing around. Right. That, but right. that's why I'm saying you have to watch this because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Okay. Now, now look, I I only – okay, here's the thing. Wait, wait. Watching it makes sense? <laughs> okay. No, I, no. I'm, I'm talking – the context of the I weird know, shit I know. that happens. I, I but get yeah. I, I see what you did there. Okay. I get I get away. Eric, okay. Eric Holmes recommends this. I understand the recommendation. The, the idea behind cinema is one should expand the language of it and should be daring. And this is the one thing about Abel Ferrara. You can make fun of his films or you can you can not like them. You can love them. You can be passionate about them. One one thing that Abel Ferrara doesn't do with his movies, he just doesn't – he feels – it seems like he's challenging himself with every single project that he's done, at least from what I've seen. Okay, And in this project, the fact that this was shot in COVID with basically no budget, a lot of this – Look, a lot of this movie you can't see because it's shot in the dead of night in digital. So it is it is the barrier of to entry to zeros and ones is very high as well. And as Eric mentioned, there is a plot to this movie, but it is not discernible. It I don't know. So look, I give Abel Ferrara huge brownie points, Ethan Hawke huge brownie points that they actually did this in the middle of COVID. I love what Abel Ferrara stands for. This was a very difficult movie for me to watch. I cannot wholeheartedly recommend this movie. I endorse Eric's recommend- recommendation. If you are an able for a completist enthusiast and you want to actually ch- challenge yourself, maybe give this film a shot. For me, for the 86 minutes, even with Dead Poet Society, Ethan Hawke, um, making, uh, making an appearance for about 10 or 11 minutes, it ended up being no. Uh, definitely do I do not recommend <laughs> zeros and ones this movie should have been renamed Come on, Greg Come I'm on. sorry man I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry you know what I was gonna call you Ethan um I I give this movie <laughs> I'm calling Ethan Hogg Bruce Willis my podcast partners look another name for zeros and ones it should just be called what should it be called Bruce oh I'll get there don't worry <laughs> okay I have a separate name I, I, I have a separate name for this movie. This movie should just be called like the Costa Gavras film Z. Instead of being a remake of Z, Z for this movie stands for zero. It was a zero for me. I did not like this movie one bit. But in defense of Eric Holmes, his recommendation comes. It's I get where he's going with that. So, yeah. 
Bruce. Well, first of all, I want to thank Greg for kind of explaining this movie to me at the beginning because I did not have a clue. In fact, I would say I didn't until they told me in the movie towards the end that he was playing two characters. I didn't even understand. I just thought he was crazy. Um, so I didn't get that part of it. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Speaking of crazy, we'll, we'll get to it. But can, you, can the last two minutes of the actual real movie? I just I, I, I can't. I can't with the last two minutes of the movie. I'm sorry. The last two minutes? Before, you pick I, no, no. I'm just saying, what? That was the weirdest ending. Forget it. Anyway, sorry, sorry, no. Bruce. Yeah, so sorry. Um, you said he expands the language. This reduces the language, I think. I think it actually <laughs> takes something away from cinema. This is like a black hole. Um, yes, I would rate it from between zero and one as well. Uh, I do want to say... Uh, wait a second. Is it closer to zero or closer Hang to on. one? I hear dogs. Do I hear dogs? <laughs> Do I hear Peter Beta? Maybe. Oh, yes, here it goes. <laughs> All right, we're back. Anyway, yes. <laughs> I want to say um, I, I have to congratulate Ethan Hawke. He is now two for two. For two years in a row, he has made the worst movie of the year. So, um, you know, go for the hat trick, Ethan. You got this. You can make this happen. Um, if How you can you say that to Ethan Hawke? Be- before sunrise. You know, boyhood. This is the guy oh. who's – he's our generation. Well, no, he's like he's like Cage. He'll make some good ones the same year, but you know he's got to he's got to round out the round out his uh, resume for that year and throw in a dud. <laughs> um, if you ever see Neil Breen movies, Neil Breen makes about the same quality movies, but a little more entertaining. And if you don't know, you can look up Neil Breen. You'll you'll find out what I'm talking about. And Breen is B R E E N. Neil Breen, yes, right? It's true. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I don't. You, I mean, I said. I wrote, I wrote in my notes here. I, I looked. Was it shot by a drunk monkey? I wrote that. <laughs> it's terrible. This movie is unwatchably terrible. So self indulgent, at least, right? Yeah, hold on, Bruce. I, I need to push back a little bit. That monkey was yes. quite drunk. He was on coke. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Very good. Very good, Eric. He was flying a drone. He's <laughs> flying like a, drone. a drone. Oh boy. Oh boy, and you know this is okay. All these criticisms. Let's the reason why I started the segment off. All of us are Abel Ferrara fans, and we we do yeah. admire his daring approach to cinema. I'm glad that at least Eric is actually recommending this. I'm just basically giving it a zero, and then Bruce actually decided to actually literally. You you would you would never recommend this? Would you even wait? You would recommend this to Abel Ferrara fans, though, right? Of course. Well. No, not necessarily. I mean, it depends. If you like his good movies, no. Wow. Okay. So this is not as good as Bad Lieutenant. Is that what you're saying? Or Bad Lieutenant's not bad. I like Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. That's one of his better ones. So, so or The Funeral, Addiction. He, he's done so many really interesting films. This, but Zero's in Ones. Yes, Eric. This would probably never happen, but I'm just going to put it out there. I really want to talk to Ethan Hawke about this movie. <laughs> You, you, what are you going to say to Ethan Hawke if you, if you had the chance? I, to, I would, I, first of all, it would be a complete spoiler conversation, obviously. Mm-hmm. God, I don't want to say anymore. I want to say so oh. much right now, but I just, everyone, please watch Zeros in One so I can talk freely about this yes. movie. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. I think the making of this movie or Ethan Hawke's, just follow Ethan Hawke after he watches this movie for like a day. I would watch that. Can, can we can we do some kind of motion where every Ethan Hawke, Eric, from now on, whenever there's an Ethan Hawke movie, can we have him introduce the movie as well? I would love that. I would that would love be that. awesome. What do you think, Bruce? Ethan Hawke will present. 
I think he, he needs to do it sight unseen because, you know, he introduces it before he's, the movie's been made. So he needs to do that in all of his movies. Yeah, in fact, um, I don't think The Explorers is a complete movie because, oh, well, again, I can't talk about it right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you know what, what I'm talking about. Hey, what about this? Why doesn't he Ted Turner the whole thing? Why don't we just splice Ethan Hawke intros to every single movie he's ever done in celebration of April Farrar's zeros and oh. ones? I thought you meant colorize it so it actually have some color. That's there is colors. How hard was it everywhere. to see this movie? How hard was it to see this movie? Literally, Bruce. I was squinting my eyes. <laughs> well, I was told it was shot through a dirty condom, so I, <laughs> I accepted that. Yeah. And by the way, Eric, how dare you make me hungry? So, anyways, that is zero. <laughs> <laughs> Zeros and ones that's available in select theaters and on Apple TV yeah, and everywhere you read movies. It's not wow, soup, that's, yeah. a, that's a diet right there, yeah, I tell you. Yeah, that's uh, okay. Anyways, everywhere you read movies and in theaters, uh, November 19th. I, I thought maybe I, I kind of gave it credit that my, he, it's him trying to expand cinema. If you want to listen to Eric Holmes, give this movie a shot, especially for the opening and end credits. Bruce has another idea about zeros and ones, and unfortunately, I might be siding with Bruce on that one as well. That's our featured reviews. Also, I just want to say before we get to our recommendations from Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, this week, as of November 19th, I am giving away a uh, Blu-ray of Respect, starring Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin. It's a biopic, and that's courtesy of Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. So I'm going to have a link to our show notes if you want to actually enter that giveaway. All right? So that is for Respect, starring Jennifer Hudson. She's getting a lot of awards talk for her performance as Aretha Franklin. Again, thanks to Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. Hopefully, we'll do some more business and some more Blu-ray and DVD coverage as well down the road. Now, let's start off with our recommendations. Eric Holmes, you got a a couple of shorts for us. I do. Well, uh, Jim Cummings posted a short called uh, Pally, Pally, P-A-L-Y. Okay. Uh, It's a short written and directed by Nikhil Ganesh. It's uh, about an Indian-American aspiring rapper on a mission to record his first track. It's basically a uh, a little brat that steals money from his uh, grandma and uh, tries to uh, record a uh, a rap song. And the other one, well, I'll, I'll go with a little bit more with this. Um, it, it, what I liked about this is that the, you know, the stakes were. It, it was kind of like a, oh, what's the Tom Hardy one uh, on the in the car, lock, lock. Yeah. It, it's kind of one of those where the stakes are real low, but it's like high. The stakes are heightened because of the situation, the age of the characters. Um, I really like the. Uh, let's look up the name of the kid. Um. No, Bruce, you like so this as well, Pally? So Pally, Hill. is that what it's called? Yeah, it's really good. I, I, and what Eric's going to talk a little more about it, but what I really liked as well was it sets up a really clear situation. You really understand what's going to happen, and then it throws a little twist in it. And then once that twist happens, all the stakes are really clear for everybody. And and I really liked that a lot. It was really it was it was, it was really effective filmmaking for a short, for sure. Okay, short is in like ten minutes, fifteen minutes, kind of twenty. I think minutes it's about kind of twenty minutes. Twenty minutes, okay. Somewhere, mm-hmm. but uh, Sohil Shaha S H A H played AJ. He does a really good job of playing a uh, preteen ki- kid that you just want to choke the shit out of. <laughs> like the the fact that he has like no sort of self awareness or sense of like, dude, literally look around before you just start, you know, like bull in China shop sort of stuff. 
um, the guy that's uh, producing or recording his album was like, just constantly like, what the fuck, dude? Um, so it, it kind of had humor. It was a little bit uh, annoying. Not not that the movie was annoying, but like the kid was annoying in a realistic way. Um, and then, yeah, th- this one was good. I believe you can find it on Vimeo. It's uh, P-A-L-Y. And check it out. Just a couple minutes. And the other short I saw was uh, directed by Stan Winston. Hmm. Written by Mick Garris and Stephen King. And it's Michael Jackson's Ghosts. I did not know this existed, but I've been, you know, listening to uh, Postmortem with Mick Garris and Joe Russo, who we had on the show. Yes. And uh, they were, uh, they had an episode of Postmortem where Mick Garris was talking about just um, his relationship with Michael Jackson in general. And they brought up ghosts. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. And when they were explaining to it, I thought it was like a loss. Because this, this came out after the child sex thing, allegations and all that. And so I thought they were talking about a, a lost video that never happened. It's kind of like Thriller, uh, where it's it's uh, you know has a, a, a story. And then the, the rest of it's uh, extended version of Thriller. This one is a story and then extended version of... I guess the song's called Ghost. Um, it's really good. The special effects are um, really good. Michael Jackson is surprisingly good in this uh, when he's playing himself. Not so much when he's playing uh, other characters. But yeah, this is uh, this I found on YouTube. Mm. Um, I, I think this is like 40 minutes long. This, this video is freaking long as hell. Um, but it's definitely entertaining and... If you like Michael Jackson, check it out. And if you just want to see like a, a relic from the '90s, it's more of a curious. It's probably more of a curiosity for most people. But uh, check it out. Or if you think Michael Jackson's a pedophile and don't want to, then don't check it out. You know. But it worked surprisingly. Worked for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Ghost a lot, and I like Pali Pali a lot as well. Uh, both these were really good shorts, and I would check them both out. And rest in peace to Stan Winston. I remember I used to interview him back in the day. So he was a very busy man for most of his life. So, yeah, passed away really early at, at 62, the year 2008. So Stan Winston, what a special effects, creature effects kind of guy. So he's very, very, very popular, right? So were you guys ever fans of his stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stan Winston? Sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course, Stan Winston. He was the man. Okay, so that is that. Bruce, you got a couple recommendations for us. Yeah, I'm just going to... Recommended passing because I think these movies all kind of go together, sort of go together with the feast in that they're all British based, kind of weird, slow burn, kind of possibly witchy stuff going on, maybe or supernatural stuff going on. Uh, one of them is called a, a Dark Song, and I'm not going to talk about that in detail, but it is available on AMC Plus and Shutter. Came out in 2016. Very interesting movie. Uh, but I am going to talk about Kill List, which I think we've mentioned in passing, but never really talked about on here. Yeah, very quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I it's from 2011. And I remember really liking it. And I've seen a lot of Ben Wheatley's stuff recently and not been super impressed. And I got, I, was I crazy? Was Kill List not as good as I thought it was? It just popped up again on Shudder. It's also on AMC+. And I thought, well, I want to see a, a Kill List again. And Kill List... If you haven't seen Kill List, it is definitely, it's a cult film, cultly loved film now, but I think it deserves even more love. This is a very, very good movie um, that has kind of gone under a lot of people's radar. Basic concept of this movie. Uh, you have two main characters, uh, Jay, 
played by Neil Maskell, and Gal, played by Michael Smiley. And I think Michael Smiley was the real smarmy um, movie producer in Censor this year. If you remember that guy, you've seen him in a million things. He's really good. So the basic concept is this is after the Iraq War, and this guy Jay... It's several years after it, and you can tell that he's kind of got a tumultuous life. He's living with his wife and his kid, and you can see really quickly that their life is very... I mean, they're the kind of couple that will have a literal screaming fight, throwing plates around, and then you know, half an hour later, they're all sitting around smoking, having a good time. He's obviously pretty volatile. She's very upset with him because he's not been working for like eight, eight nine months. And his friend Gal comes over with his girlfriend to have a dinner party with them. One of those screaming matches does occur in that dinner party. And he's basically trying to get him to come back to work. So the first 20 minutes or so is that kind of a thing. And then you discover what work they do, which is kill list. They are hitmen. And this movie goes down a very, very interesting path as they begin to go on their hits. And there may be elements beyond that that are not what you expect. And this is one of those movies, as you watch it, just as kind of this interesting buddy crime movie, it works as kind of um, social commentary on kind of violence and how you have to deal with that after war, it works. But then when all the little hidden pieces that have been occurring as the movie goes along start to fall into place, it's kind of like, kind of like The Feast, but a little less esoteric, as they start to fall into place, you find out what's actually going on. Um it is really effective and it becomes a really effective horror movie. And it's actually usually um, it's put under cult or um, kind of cult folk horror in that category. And you'll see why if you watch the movie. Um, and it's one of those movies that has those little um, sub or inner titles throughout the movie. Each time they're going after somebody like the priest, the librarian, the hunchback. And I can tell you this movie is amazing and really, really good. And it does fall into disturbing territory. So if you're not into kind of more, you know, extreme movies, it has moments. Okay, so that has a kill list. I Look, here's the thing. I think I'm the only one out of us three. I don't know if you guys have seen it. He did the remake of Rebecca in 2020, and that, that movie was quickly buried. I ended up really enjoying it. I don't know, Bruce, do you ever get to, around to seeing Rebecca? The version? I never did. I never did. Well, it'd be interesting for you, for you guys because you guys – were you – Eric, were you a Kill List fan? Is that why you like Ben Wheatley, or have you never seen Kill List before? No, I thought I saw Kill List, but I was thinking of this movie, The Kill Team. The Kill Team. There you go. <laughs> I saw Bruce put it up. I'm like, that's not the movie I saw. <laughs> right. So, right. No. So, The Kill List. You look. You know. Yeah. I've heard this movie is really good. That's a movie that maybe you and I down the road should see, Eric. You know, because I hear really great things about Kill List. But since then, he's directed this movie called Sight Series, and in 2015, he directed. High Rise, okay, which I heard was pretty interesting as well, and he also directed Free Fire, and then recently both you guys reviewed, and both I think both of you were disappointed with his to this his film In the Earth, which he directed as well. So Bruce, that to that point, do you think the movies after Kill List, do you are you a little bit disappointed to where his career has has gone off to, or do you still are you still interested in, in checking out his body of work? He's one of those directors that always shows flashes, even in his disappointing movies. I think there's flashes of greatness in there. I think even that most recent one we saw, there was parts of it that I think we all really liked. Um, but to some degree, it kind of went off the rails for me. But this one, it just has it all, the whole package just there. And I'll definitely look at anything he makes because I think he he has the ability to make this really interesting movie. This is just so focused. I think it's it's amazing. 
Which, okay, so that one? is kill. Oh, good, Eric. Which, which one was in the earth? Yeah, that was his that last... was the one where the the guy and the woman go off into the forest and they meet up with a guy and there's possibly drugs starting to happen. There's a lot oh. of foot trauma. Remember foot trauma? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Now I remember. You you ended up kind of liking it, Eric, or a little bit disappointed with yeah, that for, one? Yeah, from what I remember. Uh, as soon as he said foot trauma, I'm like, oh, I know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was kind of like the, uh, uh, what, Annihilation Light sort of. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay, so that is your recommendation. That is Kill List. And also, you briefly mentioned a dark song. Both these movies are a good tie-in, especially if you're interested in The Feast, which, again, this is, again, this is one of those movies that really interests me i when we when we close the show we're going to explain to eric what the whole ending of the feast is about and maybe he i don't know if he'll he'll buy into it what he'll what he'll overall think or will he will there be a big light bulb that that just pops up it'll be interesting to see what he says about that movie finally we don't even do a does peter beta drop the beat right now or not because this is a hidden gem. What do you say, Bruce? You're the judge and jury on this. Uh, well, last time we just had Christopher Walken come in and introduce it, but I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? Because we're, we're music licensing, we, we, and we we don't want to get sued by the Walken estate or Miramax or Quentin Tarantino, who's doing NFTs. You know, there's a big Quentin Tarantino NFT lawsuit going on. No lawsuits for us. We know Peter Beta's always... What? Why, yes. Why, why, why is that a lawsuit? I saw a thing, and he owns the rights to the script and all that. I so. guess, I don't know. Maybe maybe Miramax is going to claim... It seems pretty cut and dry to me intellectual property with Pulp Fiction. I know. I don't, I don't know. We'll it, see what happens it, with that. It, it, it sounds like their argument was, well, we shouldn't have given them the rights to it. And I'm like, but you did. So just you deal did. with it. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino and his NFTs. But we know Peter Beta will never sue us because what does Peter Beta do? Eric Holmes. Yo, Pete, drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie. No. What's in the fucking box? All right, and so now, Captain Coons' Hidden Gem of the Month, and it's Bruce Perky's turn. Last last month, we did Toto Leero, or Toto the Hero. We all love that movie. What's this movie, Bruce? Why did you? Why, why was Heavy Trip your choice? Why was it your choice, huh? Well, Heavy Trip. <laughs> I, I, I came up because I've been listening to The Film Vault, you know, kind of a... Uh, it's associated with you through cinematics, which we should all be listening to both those podcasts. And uh, they've been talking about uh, Lords of Chaos, which is this kind of black metal real story of mayhem and all this darkness. And I thought, if you've been stuck in that dark, church-burning, murderous world of black metal, that there's only one antidote, and that's this movie from Finland called Heavy Trip from 2018, directed by, and I can't say their name, so I'm not going to even try but I would let you guys talk about what you thought of it because you already know I like it. Well, yeah, well, it, it centers on this group. I guess maybe what are they from Finland? And they're, they're actually childhood friends. And what they do is they play heavy metal together, but they don't play it in front of other people. They play it in the, the well, they play it in, in the basement, in one of their friends' basement, and they just play. And right from the get go, each of the band members, you get to really know who they are. You know, the drummer is, the bassist is, the guitarist, the lead singer, especially the movie is. Most of the movies framed through the POV of the lead singer. He's very, very shy, good-looking guy, tall. His name is what is his name is Turo, but he's a very shy guy. He doesn't, and he works at, I believe, at a mental ward. Okay, so their big dream is to play music for people. But I think the way things are going, they're just going to be playing heavy metal in their basement until 
fatefully, a music promoter of a festival arrives at one of their friends' domicile. And that domicile, by the way, is is a, a place at the slaughterhouse. They slaughter reindeer, <laughs> reindeer meat. And a, and a music promoter, festival guy, he, he comes to their place inexplicably, inexplicably uh, asking for rain. Well, not really because it's a heavy metal fest. He's actually requesting for reindeer blood from from that house and ultimately there's something that happens with reindeer blood anyways what happens is because of that chance meeting the kid the youths decide to hey maybe this music promoter will help us get into this big heavy metal festival in norway and their journey is to actually try to make the festival in norway in the in the meantime all these guys are considered nerds and and outcasts in their town but because that they they might play in that big music fest they suddenly become the toast of the town that is the main premise behind this movie heavy trip eric holmes did you love it as much as bruce Berge did oh yeah uh, yeah <laughs> by a lot um if it wasn't for uh, this movie, I think Zeros and Ones would have been my favorite movie that came out this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm going to quote that. Yeah. Th- so <laughs> this reminded me a lot of like uh, Detroit Rock City or the Stone Age where like, you know, the, the plot doesn't matter. This movie lives and dies on its characters and the characters in this movie are so freaking hilarious and lovable and charming. And even like that, the asshole characters are like just asshole enough, not enough to where you want to choke them, but it's like that guy, like Shooter McGavin, the, that, the, the villain in this is like Shooter McGavin status. Um, yeah, this movie is fantastic. The music in it, if you love metal, oh, because one thing that really bugs me and I always get worried about with movies like this is like, oh yeah, we play black metal and then like they play it. And that's like, that's sounds like Nickelback. That's a, <laughs> that's not, <laughs> but like the, the music in this is pretty legit. Um, and like, even, even the names of like, I didn't recognize all cause I'm old and I don't follow music as much as I should. So some of the bands went right over my head. Uh, but I did recognize, uh, more than a few of the names that they dropped and dude, the music's awesome. The characters are awesome. This movie's he freaking hilarious. <laughs> the end just gets it, it does the comedy thing where the you know the movie just gets more and more ridiculous as it goes along. But you just kind of go with it because it's silly comedy. And yeah, this totally worked for me. If you love the Stone Age or like Wayne's World or uh, Detroit Rock City is probably the best uh, comparison I think. Except the music, you know, there's no kiss, so you can actually listen to the music. <laughs> I'm sorry. Kiss sucks. Come at me, army. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So that's a big recommend for you for Heavy Trip. I love this movie. I love Heavy Trip. Also, you were talking about black metal and heavy metal, all that stuff. The music being good, Eric. Here's here's a cool thing about Heavy Trip. You don't even have to like the music. This is a great comedy. Very, very funny. Really well written. The dialogue is pinpoint. Obviously, it's not in English. It's translation, right? But it's just a really well written film. Really, really well written movie. I loved everything about this movie. No, I, 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 I don't. Uh, I don't have any. Oh, I wanted to say something about Heavy Trip. There is, uh, there is something that happens in the movie that absolutely kind of like India Sweets and Spices, Bruce. When you were talking about something surprised you, there's something in this movie that's absolutely surprising. They didn't have to go there. They went there, and they actually, it, it was a comedic situation as well. And I, I don't want to say anything more about it, but I was expecting it to be a linear, funny comedy that all, that played it safe, but it was fine playing it safe. Nope. It goes a certain way that I thought was pretty 
bold in many ways. I thought it was bold. I, I don't know. Maybe you guys will disagree with me on this, but um, I, I thought it was really a cool stroke that they did with Heavy Trip. They didn't have to go there, but they did. And it really upped the ante for me regarding that. My, my only complaint with Heavy Trip, though, is there hasn't been a sequel. Uh, it's been 2018. I'm looking for Heavy Trip 2 or – yeah, that's Bruce. Oh, I was just going to say the the boldness of that. I think it, it is just another sign of what Eric was talking about, which is this movie knows the music it's talking about and it knows the lore because what happens that you're talking about absolutely fits with the lore of like black metal. And it's – and the other thing is why this movie I think works so well as far as comedies go. When you have those comedies, when you think back on certain moments in them – and you want to see them and you laugh just thinking about them. And this movie has several of those, you know, the naming of the band, the way they get the band photo, the way they, there's a whole bunch of those things. Um, and I think throughout the movie, how they come up with the sound of the band, there's a whole bunch of those little moments. And I think that is what really makes this movie special for me, at least. Um, and I just want to say this, cause I'm not going to spoil it. The original title for this out al- for this movie yes. was going to be the name of the band. That's what the name of this movie is going to be. And they were going to try to sell this movie with that name. Can you believe that? That is an amazing name. You're <laughs> not going to spoil it. Opportunity. That would have been really, That would have That's basically. <laughs> 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 Listeners, uh, we're not going to tell you what the actual original title of Heavy Trip, but just the, the actual name, the original name. Just think of what a 50-year-old Greg Strzavosti does whenever he goes to the washroom. Okay, so that that would be what's the original moniker behind Heavy Trip. So yes, Eric. Yes. Do you think if more people saw this, that more bands would uh, get their band photo the same way that they did in this? Oh my gosh! Right? Yes. All right, we're ready. Go. Got it. (laughs) Dude, this is like one of those. This is one of those movies you could watch like ten times in a row and then just start quoting like. Yeah, right. And this is like this is like broken lizard level kind of comedy. Yeah, this is the epitome, I think, of what these hidden gem movies should be. Right? This is one of those movies where you're like, why don't more people talk about this? Why isn't this just because this is a pretty darn accessible movie for a movie about black metal? Would you not say this is very accessible? Very much so. Yeah. Also, what what makes you were talking about broken lizard, Eric? It's a very unassuming comedy. And it's very that's it's very hard to pull off unassuming funny comedies because sometimes unassuming funny comedies are so unassuming they become so deliberate in that this movie just feels natural. It's a natural, very natural sense of humor, really easy to to digest as far as just to watch. It's just very engaging, and I'm surprised that more people don't talk about it. So I'm glad that this was your pick for this this gem of the month for. What is it, Doctor Koontz or Dean Koontz? <laughs> yeah, Dean, <laughs> Dean Koontz is <laughs> in gem of the month. So I've, I've been screwing up with names so many times. It's what I did, Bruce Willis. What else did I do? I did uh, Ethan Hawke, and then now, now it's Dean Koontz, and that's it. But next week, Bruce, are we are we gonna do the whole? Uh, we're, we're back to the the box. Yes, the back to the box. We're going going back to the box. Oh, we should have waited until now to do it. What's in the well, boot? Like always. Yo, Pete, drop that beat again <laughs> oh, yeah. real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One more time, Pete. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, let's see what you got here. Well, hmm, this is the one that was suggested by Scott Atkins. Oh, oh. Scott Atkins, nice. And it is... Okay. And read my little writing here because I scribbled it on there. Akuro Obi from 2007, 
directed by Shunichi Nagasaki. Okay. So I'm guessing it's going to be a really cool martial arts movie, I'm guessing. I'm okay. So I'm I'm down to watch that too. Maybe Great, you better I'll watch it. That. Scott Atkins is gonna come back, kick all three of our asses if if we don't all watch. Oh, by the way, maybe something else you should add to the box. You know, Jim Cummings. When you talked to Jim Cummings, Eric, he mentioned a movie called Little Forest. Okay, I don't know if we. It's in there. Okay. Oh, by the way, yeah, and Angie Clark mentioned this to me, and for some reason, I just went over my head. Yeah, Little Forest is a movie I really loved, and I recommended it about a couple of years ago to our Cinematics Facebook group. I love that film. So whenever you pull that out, I'm going to rewatch Little Forest as well. It stars one of the leads from The Hand, The Handmaiden, and it's a, Kim Terry, such a great, great movie. I'm support. You know, Jim Cummings has some really interesting movie choices. He's such a big cinephile. So yeah, the beta test. What do you guys think about the success of that movie? Huh? Digging it. That love it. Uh, You're loving it. The, the more successful they get, the more movies they tend to make, and uh, I'm, I'm here for it. But, Bruce, uh, since you got the box out, can you put Heavy Trip in there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Heavy Trip. Just, just so maybe time. we have an excuse to watch it again. Watch I it guess. again, yeah. <laughs> okay, that is it. A- Eric, you want to say anything before we go? I love you guys. You okay, love you. Hugs. Love you too. Love you too, man. And, and Bruce, finally, before we're going to come back in a couple of seconds anyway, but do you have any final thoughts before we're out of here? I do. I have some wisdom. And that is, if you're going to a ritzy party and you accidentally drop your bottle of wine on the ground and it smashes, I would advise you not to expect the help to pick that up for you. Yes. Very, very good. Good piece of advice. Oh, no. Oh, no. Eric was like, what are you? You're saying no, no, no. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll wait till after the credits. We'll wait till after the credits. That is a good piece of advice. Bruce Perky, thank you so much. You are not Bruce Willis, and I apologize for that. We will see you guys next week here on Find Your Film. But by the way, don't go because we're going to do like a two or three minute mini spoiler on the feast. Obviously, this is something that is value added. Maybe if you want to listen to it, you can listen to it right now in three, two, one. So now we're back to the spoilers. We're back. The feast. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Bruce, tell Eric Holmes, what did he miss? Well, I don't know. So, I mean, I don't know. I might have missed, or I don't know what you think, too. So, we can talk about it. So, the way well, I read it. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do your, do your reading. What do you got? Eric, what did you, what did you miss? What didn't turn on for you as far as what did you not understand? Well, so, I knew the guy was eating a lot. Um, he, they're, like, I, I, I saw him eating a lot, like, to almost a ravenous degree. And I... You know, stuff like that, I figure probably meant something else other than he's just eating a lot or he's possessed. Like, I feel like, oh, he's the guy with the money. So that's, you know, while maybe while all this is going on in the background, he's the rich fat cat just hoarding, you know, all to himself. Like, I don't know if that's what it is, but I I felt like there was stuff in the movie that had more to it than what you're actually seeing. You're halfway there. You're 50% there. You're, that, that's right. correct. That is correct reading. Bruce, you were going to say. Well, my reading is, okay, I don't know the folklore, but I think it's something like this. They start the movie by drilling in the ground, and they're drilling into this sacred mound, which is some ancient mound. Um, it's in which a they section say, called the Rise. Yeah, the Rise. You're not supposed to do anything there. Um, and I, I believe they release some sort of spirit spirit of the earth. Uh, maybe there's some kind of a, a mythical creature from Welsh mythology that is like a, kind of like a siren, maybe. Anyway, that goes into the body of the woman who drowns, which is Katie, because they say that she died in that crash. That was a car. Yeah. Yes. That this, they talk about early in the movie. So 
she comes there basically she's like um like an unearthly being that arrives at this party and is kind of taking it in because she doesn't quite understand it all and that's why she reacts really weird to things like hunting guns rabbits all that stuff because she it's kind of like she is from this older very earth like earth bound spirit and she they all represent like very non-earth like or environmental kinds of things you know they you represent the, urban sprawl yeah you got the 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 kids who are both spoiled in different ways and you know like the first thing she does is the axe falls on his foot she like destroys the axe essentially and that causes him to get hurt in a way that goes with his addiction the other kid is hurt with in a way that goes in his addiction which is kind of his vanity and the dad, you know, all these things are basically her giving them a fate based on their kind of their corrupted, yeah. corrupted um, modern way of going about the world. It's almost Shakespearean or something in that way. So it's kind of this weird revenge tale of like the earth getting revenge on all these like assholes. Yeah. So what is her name? Caddy? Katie? Katie? Yeah. C-A-D-I. So Katie, yeah. So she's not, she's a, she's a spirit. She's the woman. She is the spirit who actually haunts the rise. She is the presence of the rise. They're not. They're not supposed to actually build on the rise. That's that's urban for- folklore. It's you're not supposed to touch that area. And that's a, at the beginning of the movie. Once they start drilling for the minerals of that area, there's that that uh, worker who actually gets injured in the beginning, and then it goes right into the slow burn of why is this caddy girl, Katie girl, is, is she so quiet? It's because she's a spirit. It's almost a ghost who is there to haunt and inflict damage on these privileged people who are there to only extract value from mother earth from nature they are there to to extract minerals for their own financial gain and they do it in a very abusive way so ultimately this movie the feast is the nature feasting on the the privileged and the, the entitled because it starts off with you think the entitled are the ones who are having the feast. The ones who are being feasted on are the actual human beings who are abusing the land that they live on. So that is the ultimate – my interpretation of the feast. And that's why I ended up really loving the movie because it's really – it's like eating the rich. You're, you're actually giving them their just desserts via the spirit of this Caddy or Katie girl. And yeah, so that's the ultimate wow. read of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Now, see, now things are starting to click. Synapses are starting to click <laughs> because, like, well, with the with the uh, the drilling and um, you know, like, oh, you you know, we we make enough to get by uh, farming. They're like, well, you can drill and you can get more. And then so yes. the idea that the idea that you can only do one or another. We're either gonna we're gonna stop making food so we can drill for minerals and get money. And meanwhile, the guy that's paying for it is eating all the food. <laughs> right, he's and, abusing. Yeah, well, yeah, they're, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and then also in the beginning, in the towards the beginning, you have Katie. Katie, I'm mispronouncing the name. She goes up to the portrait, the painting, and she mm-hmm. goes up and she kisses it. The painting is the actual architectural, the landscape of the land, and that's why she's kissing the painting because she, she as the spirit, has a kinship to the earth. Where, from whence she came. That's why she feels that bond to it. And the rabbits, they weren't actually killed by them, man. The rabbits were actually right. left on the tree. It's the rich man not doing his own dirty work and trying to, you know, there's nothing wrong with killing rabbits on your land for food. But if you're actually using a proxy of carcasses that are found on a tree and and actually claiming that for your own, you're claiming... Bragging. Bragging about it. Bragging yeah. so, on a land. It's horrible. It's horrible. 
horrific in her eyes, in that woman's eyes, that spirit's eyes. Yeah. So there. maybe I'm taking this a step too far then. But no, you're not. You, get, no. you have the you have the oh no with, with what I'm about to say. Yeah. <laughs> but the so the uh, <laughs> uh, so you have the uh, the the lower class, the servants, pretty much, and yeah. they could uh, they could stop what they're doing at any time, and the rich guy would be offended and leave. Like that, that's, that's the, that's the relationship I get early on. It's like, oh, it, everything's got to be perfect because this is a guy with the money and this is a guy that's going to do everything. Right. But if the, if the air quote lower class just walks away, then the upper class doesn't, you know, their uh, environment falls apart and they can't do the things to destroy things that they want. So I wonder if part of that is, um, um, but what am I trying to think? Like, do your part to not uh, aid people in destroying things. I don't know. I think I'm. I, I think. No, I, I think, think there's I just, something. I, there think, to I that. think I just went down a. Uh, no, you know, it is, it is a class. It's a class struggle, and I think to your point, the the fact that Katie, I'm just going to call her Katie. Like, that, I, I, I guess basically within our tears, we all do our part in fucking shit up. It's kind of right. It's kind of what I'm getting at. Right, right, and the, the fact that you know, even though she, Katie's a spirit, she actually read the spirit. Actually, represents in their eyes lower class, which in our eyes is just middle class, right? She represents a hard worker. But it's so funny if you notice, even though she's a spirit and she's not responsive, they don't even respond to her, even though they make abusive suggestions or. Or you know they you know the the father tries to actually have a he does a sexual come on to her the the kid the the boys are trying to come on to her as well or or they actually try to accost her to do other things even though she's not responding they're actually not even listening to her so it's one of these things where it's it's also a sign that some of them these entitled rich folk they're not listening to quote unquote the hired help that's another layer behind this movie. right yeah like she's invisible to yep. them mm-hmm. they're she's just a mirror that lets them all give out their most base like aspects right. and that also reflects that you know how people treat the lower class right they're invisible to them that yes. that whole wine glass thing you know just dropping it and like oh yeah clean up you know and she's just left there to do it and it's 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 pretty good i think it's and really she good. definitely think... cleans that wine glass up she definitely cleans that shard up and that shard that has to, to be the most just harrowing piece of lovemaking <laughs> I've ever seen in my life, folks. That's a spoiler. There's just you know where the wine the thing goes. Still, uh, still not as good as zeros and ones, which is <laughs> undeniable masterpiece yeah, as far so, as I'm concerned. Yeah, but so, I, I, I do like yeah. I do like that you guys explained this to me because, uh, like I said, I, I got the feeling that I was just completely. This went right over my head as soon as you guys like mentioned. I'm like, oh, I am stupid. No, 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 no. I think it's just that little that little thing. I think that it's just a little thing with the just need the little, little detail. Made up here. No, the little detail with the with the car that would can't that actually went in the water and yeah. someone there and then that's why the woman's husband wasn't able to be there for the feast. And ultimately, what happened is you know here again, we, right, Bruce? You have the blue collar people doing all the work that on the land. They're they're basically shepherding the whole thing while the rich people get to really claim all the minerals and all the hard work right so that's what this movie's trying yep. to say in many ways and i think eric to your point i think that again the the barrier of entry is going to be really high but for people like bruce who really love it those are the people who really just latch on not just to the themes but like bruce was saying we will really love to start decoding it upon a second view yeah. which we're going to get to see you know? I, I think i think another problem with it was uh uh or m- the problem with me watching it was i was so checked out at the beginning because it just 
It didn't seem. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was going anywhere. It yep. was just like this is this uh, this is a cool cool shot. Cool people are staring at each other. People are staring out windows. Nothing's happening. And then by the time something was happening, now I got to go back and oh, th- this is saying something. Oh fuck, I missed it. <laughs> Yeah, so many of these movies don't pay off. So I think it's like you kind of get trained to not have it go anywhere, but this actually went somewhere. So, you know, Bruce, while every every character in this movie is pretty much tragic, except the spirit, right? Who do you think, in your opinion, is the most tragic character in this movie, in this story? Tragic as in like pitiable or like terrible? (laughs) Humanity itself. I think pitiable, pitiable. I think if anybody, maybe the drug addicted like son, possibly, I might give him him the most benefit of the doubt. But the other ones I would, I had no pity for. I had pity in a sense for the mother because she Mm. stepped on both worlds. So the mother, she, she knew the whole folklore the whole urban myth she grew up on the actual land she was one of them she was a farmer she's actually the one who knows how to de-skin skin the rabbit and cook it she's actually closer to the blue collar people in the movie than she actually gives herself credit for like she knows the song like she too, knows the you know? song because that's the yeah. song of her mother right so that's the song from the earth and she's the one who actually is the ultimate betrayer of it she's the, she betrays her own soul and blood and it comes back to haunt her and her brood right so i think it's a, it's a very interesting movie to like you're saying to decode but that is our explanation of the well, feast eric so well so you know you saw the movie and i saw the movie and you know, to tell you the truth, after watching it, I just I, I didn't understand what it was I was watching. But you know, the, uh, there's uh, you know sometimes you take chances, and uh, you gotta you know people get creative. Sometimes creative creativity works in weird ways. I don't know, I don't know, but uh, I do have to you know the, the 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 bravery of these filmmakers to just kind of put it all out there. I mean, it means something, man. And yes, this is part of the review. <laughs> okay, okay. So that is a reference to something else that hopefully, if you see all of the movies mentioned on this podcast, you will understand. Yes, uh, hopefully that won't be a big zero of an explanation for you guys. We will see you guys next week for, for the Find Your Film Podcast. Very good, Eric Holmes. My, Captain, my captain, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>